Um, so this session is by Greg Salikas. Greg is a principal in SCNH's Technology and Advisory Services Group. Greg works with a lot of our not-for-profit clients, helping them use technology to maximize their effectiveness, as well as to accomplish their strategic objectives. Greg's been working with a lot of our not-for-profits recently, um, helping them address you know, the technology challenges associated with uh, remote operations. So I will turn it over to Greg. Thanks, Mike, uh, and thanks, uh, thanks everybody for joining us this morning. Um, and uh, and the insight that that Brock, uh, Kate, and uh, Jeff just shared with us. I think the experiences that that they've all shared with us are are pretty similar to um, you know everything that we're all facing across the across our organizations and certainly the clients that that we're working with. Um, you know, as Mike mentioned, um, myself and and our tech advisory team. We're uh, we're helping organizations you know, navigate through uh, both some of the short-term decision making that's had to happen over the next couple of months, uh, well, last couple of months as far as how to, how, how do we continue to operate, how do we continue to be a nonprofit uh, in in a in a socially distant world, um, but we're also starting to look to the future and figure out uh, you know what does this mean not only for the next several months but the next several years and what what can we do now. To prepare ourselves for both uh, both the opportunities and the challenges that are going to that are going to come over the next few years. So, uh, I'm going to cover a couple of technology topics today uh, that I think uh, uh, should hopefully resonate with with this group, and and um, uh, we'll touch on a couple of different areas here. Um, but uh, you know, there, there are really a couple main areas. I, I do want to start off by just talking about. Kind of the realities of budget as it relates to uh, you know technology spending um, and and what that really means as far as uh, as a, as organizations uh, you know continue to try to find new ways to um, uh, invest and innovate in technology. They're, they're at the end of the day, there's obviously a a limited pool of money uh, and budget constraints, and and you know I want to talk through some of the ways that we're we're thinking through how do we find how do we find the money essentially to do things you know new different opportunistic uh, approaches to you know serving serving constituents reaching out to donors uh, growing member bases uh, and uh, you know advocating for causes uh, while uh, while being in a in a tough uh, a lot of cases a tough budget situation right now. Um, I do also want to touch on uh, you know, unlocking, you know, the potential of data. I think, you know, all of all of our organizations have a uh, have a vast and significant amount of data, and there are a lot of real opportunities right now to use that data, data that you already have, to be more effective, more smart, uh, more targeted at uh, at, a, at approaches uh, that. Both uh, both can create you know internal value for your organization uh, to be more efficient, more uh, uh, and more uh, uh, nimble, while also providing, in many cases, a lot of additional value to you know external constituents and and, and members as well. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of run through those those uh, kind of broader topics, and then I do want to spend a little bit of time talking through essentially three case studies. So. We'll talk through, uh, you know, three scenarios that uh, we're dealing with a couple of our clients right now as far as 
what we're doing, what the what's working, what's not working, uh, and really kind of based off of our experience so far, how we kind of plan to uh, use technology, new technology approaches uh, once uh, once we can all you know uh, be together again. Uh, in some cases, uh, you know what we're doing now. Uh, is temporary in other cases you know we see it as as a huge value uh, long term that will ultimately work into a lot of our plans going forward um, and then finally if we have time I, I think we should have some time to cover this uh, but I do want to touch on security I mean it's 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 uh it's something that uh, everybody's probably heard a lot about uh, yeah there's there's always uh, noise about cybersecurity but the reality is that this is this is as important of a topic as ever, and, and I do want to touch a little bit on uh, what uh, what all you should be aware of from a secure cybersecurity standpoint as it relates to, to new threats that are emerging and 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 what uh what are some practical approaches to uh, to address some of these new concerns without necessarily uh, you know breaking the bank. Um, and uh, and if we have time at the end, you know, uh, certainly uh, submit questions. Uh, love to have an interactive uh, discussion around any questions that come out through come up through this uh, next couple of slides. So certainly submit your questions, and uh, I'd be happy to spend a little bit at the time uh, talking through any questions that anybody has. So um, you know, I just kind of want to jump into this 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 technology spending uh, topic a little bit. Yeah, this is something that I really encourage. You know, all organizations to think about as they're looking at at their strategic plans, not only now but into the next few years. Um, you know, what what we're seeing is that, you know the COVID pandemic has obviously created uh, a tremendous shift in in how technology is used, not only within nonprofits to uh, keep the organizations operating, but just how uh, how they're interacting with members, constituents. And, and different audiences, the audiences that they're serving, um, and yeah, a lot of this, you know, I think everybody's, uh, you know, pivoted. They're we're using Zoom meetings, team meetings. Uh, we're uh, we're doing things, uh, you know, out of the office. You know, all these technologies have just kind of uh, uh, really sprung up over the last couple of months to keep keep things moving. But um, you know, our belief is is that there's a lot of opportunity long term to really uh, look at how we're using technology in a in a broader way than than even we may be using right now over the last couple of months. Um, so you know, from a budget perspective, there's only so many budget dollars to go around uh, when it comes to technology spending, and uh, you know, we're really working with organizations to figure out uh, really how to classify their technology spending into three broad categories that that I'll talk through and how to how to shift. More of that, that but those budget dollars from really kind of back office, you know, keep the lights on to how do we free up dollars to really experiment with new technology, try new technology, and, and find out what works so that you know over the coming years, you know, we can continue to remain uh, competitive, relevant, and you know, you know, serve constituents to the the highest degree possible. Uh, so what I just kind of have here on this slide is really. Uh, a, a kind of a quick pie chart that summarizes the, you know these three three categories: uh, run the business, or run the organization, grow the organization, and trans transform the organization. I really encourage everyone to take a look at their technology budgets and where they're spending money uh, across these three categories. Um, 
what I mean by run the business is essentially back office operations. Uh, you know, this is the stuff that kind of keeps the lights on, keep, you know, keeps, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, collaborating, communicating, um, connecting. Um, it's everything from, uh, you know, your, your CRM system to email to the laptops that, you know, folks are bringing now home to, uh, to, to collaborate, to, to communicate with remotely. So, uh, you know, usually what we're seeing, is, you know, historically is that, honestly 60 percent plus of an organization's budget has typically been technology budget has has technically or typically been tied up in just keeping the lights on um and that's that's been pretty typical for many years um and then the second category grow this is really kind of doing doing more of what we're already doing to, to meet increased demand uh to serve more constituents you know, it's growing existing program uh, programs that an organization has. It's growing, uh, you know, uh, existing um, ways of connecting and communicating with with uh, members, and and really doing more, uh, doing more of what we're already doing, um, and, and just growing that uh, that area of the organization. And uh, you know, thirty percent is a typical number that if you look at across a large number of the, the nonprofits that we certainly work with. Um, you know, they're, they're spending about 30% of technology budget on this, you know, grow the organization category, um, which only leaves 10% left for transform. So what we call transform is, is, is really uh, new initiatives in the organization that, that fundamentally change the way, uh, you know, uh, we're serving constituents, uh, we're reaching out to donors, um, new programs that might reach uh, different uh, different bases than than we have in the past, um, and because so much so much of the money is really tied up in just keeping the lights on, there's really not a lot of money left at the end of the day to 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 basically uh, uh, fund transformative projects. And and the reality is too is that uh, it it's it's it is easier in a lot of cases to maintain the status quo. There's more risk with transformative projects. Um, but there's also potentially a huge, a huge win here as well. Um, so, uh, you know, what we're, what we're simply saying here is that, uh, you know, organizations really have to take a hard look at where they're spending dollars on, on keeping the lights on from a technology perspective and, and use that, use that to, um, to look at ways to, um, really grow that transform bucket. Um, certainly, this is not something that that can happen overnight. But I, I would really encourage organizations to think through, um, you know, as they uh, build plans for you know 2021, 2022, and beyond, you know, new strategic plans. Um, how 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 do we become more innovative um, and 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 find the dollars in the technology budget uh, to do this? So, um, on the next slide, we have a couple of of uh, of thoughts on really how to kind of optimize that run the organization expense. It's it's really easy to say, you know, you know, let's find more money. It's easy to say it, but it's harder to do it. Um, but what um what we believe is fundamentally, this is a this is the time for all all organizations, nonprofits certainly uh, included, to really take a look at do they have a technology roadmap in place. And a strategy in place to become uh, a, a true cloud organization. Um, and, and what we mean by a true cloud organization is, uh, you know, not having you know one foot in in the legacy world from an applications and, and technology standpoint, 
and also using you know some cloud technologies in the side. Um, there, there needs they, all organizations at this point should have a path to truly embrace the cloud, uh, transform anything that uh, isn't cloud into a uh, into an environment that that is true cloud based. Um, these hybrid approaches where we're you know kind of doing a little bit of a little bit of both where we might have a an older CRM but a you know a cloud based uh, you know grants module um, or you know these hybrid approaches. Uh, while there, you know, there's certainly a um, a uh, it's an easy place to get into. It's a it's a it's a uh, kind of a stepping stone into into the true cloud world. And this is the time to really uh, you know continue continue migrating towards uh, to the towards that true cloud environment. Uh, you know, there's a lot of inefficient inefficiencies that you know that that are created by this um, this kind of hybrid approach, not only from a cost standpoint, but from um, a, uh, a capability standpoint, not only both internally and externally. Um, a lot of organizations that we're working with uh, that are, are in this state, you know, that they're doing really well in certain areas when it comes to technology for the areas of the organization that have pivoted to, pivoted into more of a cloud model, but they may have a you know a key finance system or a key CRM system or you know a key collaboration system that uh, you know it's still in a closet in, the, in an office somewhere it's it's you know the system's not accessible easily outside of the office or it is but with a bunch of workarounds um and yeah, this is creating a, a large number of inefficiencies um uh, and, and also at the end of the day impacting how these organizations can can serve their serve their audiences so um, not only it, it do, do, are we dealing with that right now in a uh, kind of a traditional or um, or a, a hybrid environment, the, the number of security issues that are created uh, by, by not really pivoting to the cloud, but expecting staff to work more remotely, uh, spend more time where constituents are, work in the field more, um, the security implications of that are, are, are fairly fairly great. Um, but a large number of those can be, you know, simply either eliminated or, or mitigated very, very, very easily when you're moving towards an approach where, um, it, you know, everything's in the cloud from, from an application standpoint. Um, and, and then quite frankly, the most important thing here is that, you know, as we talk through some of the technologies and, and, um, and uh, you know, opportunities that technology can create, uh, it, not having a cloud foundation and building off of uh, building off of something that isn't a cloud foundation makes anything that we do going forward from a technology standpoint more difficult. It's more the, the more modern systems, the more systems we bring online, the more applications, the more ways we're reaching out. Um, it's creating more data. Uh, it's creating more more uh ways for both staff and and constituents to interact digitally with us and not having the essentially the the modern cloud systems in, in place to handle the, this explosion of technology um can can be certainly uh more and more difficult to deal with and it's you know it's it's a multiplicative uh it's a scenario where the more the more we try to do with technology, the more difficult it gets unless we have that cloud foundation. So really, the takeaway here is that uh, you know while while the back office technology it isn't really exciting to talk about, um, 
uh, it's also really the foundation for a lot of this. If done correctly, it sets an organization up for a lot of opportunity to use some of the modern technology that um, you know we're all exploring right now, but also reduce costs so that there's actually budget budget available to spend on uh, on uh, on some of these new initiatives. Um, and on the next slide, um, you know, really, you know, you know, as as we feed, as we um, you know find opportunity to basically spend on transformative, you know, uh, technology, there's certainly risk that comes with it. Um, you know, it's it's you know we're working with a lot of organizations who are trying to navigate through what, what does this mean for them? What do we do? What do we don't do? What's a great idea? Um, but now is not the right time to do it, or, or what is a great idea, and how do we figure out how to transform the, you know, or get 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 action uh, and uh, and start working towards uh, towards one of these new goals. But you know, really, there's a there's a number of things that you know organizations be, should be thinking through here. Uh, one of the main ones is really just what's the ramification of of bringing in a new technology. I think that there's a lot of organizations that have um, you know, quickly pivoted uh, into a technology world, and that's fantastic. But there are long-term implications to think about. Okay, we brought these different uh, technologies online over the last couple of months to continue to be able to interact with members and, and reach constituents. But how do we really, um, over time, uh, package all this up into a comprehensive uh, kind of go-forward uh, 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 approach? So think through things like if, if you're bringing a new application online or a new system online that um, is providing new, new technology capabilities, really, what does that mean for the data? Um, are we creating additional data silos? Are we creating additional manual effort behind the scenes to uh, um, ensure that we're capturing data correctly? What are the security and privacy implications? Um, and this is certainly something that is relevant for organizations that that deal with uh, private and protected health information for organization for for for, for uh, uh, constituents. So um, you know certainly think through the security and the the privacy implications there, and then really from an integration standpoint, having having an understanding and and having a roadmap of this is where each of these these technology pieces fit into. The, you know, the overall strategic plan of the organization um, it, it is absolutely critical um, as a, as new technology is brought online and, and, and experimented with. Yeah, and I'd also, you know, pair for the what if. So really think through, you know, this is a kind of an interesting time where uh, there's a lot of organizations trying different different technology out. Some of it extremely successful, and others maybe maybe not so much. You know, it's valuable to experiment, and not everything is going to provide the expected result. And uh, you know, unexpected outcomes uh, are, are happening. You know, quite frequently, both both good and bad. Um, and I'll share a couple of those in a minute. But um, you know, really thinking through how does this change? Who we're reaching? What what does this mean? If you know, we uh, this is this is a highly successful, and all of a sudden we're working with uh, you know uh, constituents that maybe English now isn't their first language, and we never we never had that experience before, or maybe um, you know we're reaching constituents virtually now that have a uh, have differing abilities, and we we may have to interact with them in a different way than we've done in the past, but there's a huge opportunity to serve them. 
And then quite frankly, you know, how, how, how do you fail something fast? Um, if, if it's not working, what, what, what's our success criteria for a new technology? And also what's the criteria to, to, to move on and fail something fast? I think it's, um, it's, it's critical right now for organizations to understand that from a technology perspective, not everything, not everything is going to work. Um, it's valuable to experiment, but, um, you know, sometimes it's worth trying something, but not moving forward. And, um, uh, agreeing up front across the organization on what 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 failure looks like and when to move on will uh will make it a lot easier ultimately to make that decision when the time comes to either you know double down and continue and continue investing in a new area or maybe look at reallocating those dollars back to something else um, and a technology steering committee is really uh, a fantastic way to really evaluate uh, what I'm talking about here for any organization that that doesn't have a technology steering committee, whether they even have internal IT or not, um, I would I would highly recommend that you think about uh, the concept of a technology steering committee. Just kind of create control and visibility across the organization of where where technology is being used, um, where 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 everything fits into a long term roadmap. Uh, right now, a lot of organizations across you know, different departments, whether it be development, communications, you know, programs, um, everybody's trying to find ways to use new technology to, uh, to, to be successful. But without having a cross-functional uh, steering committee, uh, e e e there's a, a lot of opportunity lost by not having a comprehensive plan where everyone across the organization is is really working together, understanding how how what what departments need what, and and maybe where there are commonalities where it makes sense to uh, partner up with other departments that are exploring technology and uh, and 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 create awareness across the organization. So you know, one we're we're not double spending on things that there might be an organization wide solution for instead of piecemealing things. Um, and also just to just kind of keep a, a consistent direction. Um, you know, it's it's something that is very easy to right now uh, experiment with a lot of things, um, but not have a clear direction of where we're trying to end up. So the technology steering committee is a great way to essentially ensure that the organizational strategic plan is being translated into into a technology plan. That, that continues to adapt as, as the situation changes. Um, these steering committees, you know, typically uh, the steering committees we're involved in, um, it, 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 there's representatives from across the organization, uh, including internal IT, if, if there's an internal IT team, and um, and they meet, you know, typically monthly for uh, you know for an hour, hour and a half, just and, and more frequently, quite frankly, recently, but. Uh, to understand what are the needs around the organization, where are we meeting the needs, you know, where, where, what new technology are, 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 are you know, folks exploring around the organization, how does that fit into the plan? Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, communication is is incredibly, incredibly important here, and just making sure that um, this is happening uh, solves a lot of these problems, you know, potential problems before they become problems. And then finally, you know, last point in here is something that uh, you know is, is something that's just incredibly important to consider, particularly as it relates to uh, you know event technology, uh, you know, or uh, partnering with other organizations to uh, you know develop fundraising, uh, virtual fundraising events. 
you know, having an understanding upfront of who owns the data that's coming out of these virtual events, how your, how your organization is able to use that data post event. And really, uh, you know, I think, you know, this was shared kind of in the panel discussion of really thinking through the scenarios of if we're going to invest in a, a, a virtual event, what does this financially look like from a best and worst case scenario as far as, you know, minimum commitments to spend versus, uh, you know, what, what we expect, you know, a best and a worst case attendee or donor uh, uh, outcome would be. So, um, more than ever, um, really, really understand uh, as you're exploring new technologies and, and, and new ways to virtually connect um, what those contracts look like. Uh, there can be some surprises in there, particularly as it relates to even what you can do with it, what, what you can do with uh, attendee data uh, you know, during the event, post the event, how long you can, how long that data is technically available for you to use for outreach. Um, and uh, I, I just encourage everyone to really, really focus in on these items and contracts as as they can be surprising in some cases. Um, and, and the third topic that I just wanted to touch on here is really uh, uh, spending time right now to uh, to understand both uh, what data your organization has and maybe look to that data uh, to uh, inform a lot of the decision making that uh, needs to occur uh, as it relates to you know new technology and and how technology can can impact uh, and grow the organization in different ways. So uh, you know I'd encourage everybody to take inventory of what data do we have um, and and almost use that data use gaps in the data where in a lot of cases technology is. Uh, allows us to reach audiences that we we might not have ever been able to reach, whether it's because of a geographic issue, whether it's because of a scalability issue, um, whether it's you know you know just a different audience than than we're typically you know, used to working with. Um, and this is a great time to really look at where where you have gaps and constituent bases. You know whether it's you know uh, you know. Uh, individuals served, uh, low donate, don low donor counts from a geographic standpoint, or, an, or another another uh, attribute. Um, you know, these are this is a great time to really un understand where those gaps are because technology is a great way um, not only to expand current audiences but go after uh, you know new audiences than you may have ever uh, been able to in the past. Um, and um, you know, I'd also say that this is also a great time uh, as 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 dollars become harder to or, you know more competitive from a from a donor standpoint. Um, we found the organizations that create more and more transparency around uh, how exactly their dollar is being spent within the organization. Uh, you know, creates more sticky donors that ultimately give more. And and what I mean by you know personalized transparency. It's less about talking about you know what percentage of the dollar goes towards programs versus administrative expense, and more even more specific than to uh, you know really how's that dollar impacting either the community that they're in or the programs that they they, they specifically um, have affinity to, and being able to really tell a story uh, about you know what what that what areas that donation is impacting impacting. And what that means, whether it's you know meals served, you know you know, cons you know constituents, um, you know serviced, uh, etc. Yeah, 
a lot of organizations have this data um, already, um, and the, the more you can use that data to tell a very personalized story, uh, you know, is, is, is incredibly important. And with technology, you know, in the past, you know, a lot of organizations uh, would, would do this for potentially major donors. Um, and what we're seeing, though, is the efficiency that, you know, can, can be gained through really using a data-based approach and, 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 you know, business intelligence and, and data technologies you can really almost provide that level of insight, you know, down to uh, you know, someone someone that's donating five dollars off the website. It's it's uh, it's it's much much more scalable, and it's very possible to tell that story, you know, for for anyone uh, that that's uh, you know, part of your cause. And then finally, you know, data. You know, we've talked about this a little bit of just making sure we understand where uh, um you know, where we are, not only from a financial perspective, but how we're, you know, how technology is re reaching new constituents, being able to, to have a real-time view into how technology is contributing to the, you know, the organiz organization's mission and where to double down on and, and where to potentially, you know, uh, back away from, you know, understanding what those key data points are up front and ensuring there's a way to track successes and failures. Um, now's the time if if your organization might be a little bit weaker in this area as far as you know you know having a dashboard of you know performance across the organization um this dashboard dashboards don't necessarily require a lot of investment and a lot of uh, you know complex technology you know they, they can uh, some of these numbers can be even honestly manual um and over time you can find ways to uh, to pull these data to pull to pull this information on a more real time basis, but the key is just having the data to look at on almost a daily basis to understand you know where where impacts are being created by technology and and, and where there might be gaps. It certainly needs to be part of any sort of new new transformative spending within an organization. Um, so you know, I encourage everybody to really think about data as it relates to uh you know how they're how they're moving forward and what and and for areas where where data doesn't exist um how can we how can we solve that gap and 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 gain data going forward to uh make better decisions so i just wanted to kind of talk about three specific more specific case studies across uh, three areas where we're using technology to uh uh impact uh, various nonprofits in the area. I'm just going to touch on one that's uh, more pro programmatic, one that's more around donor relations, and one that's more uh, around kind of events. So um, on a program side, you know, working with an organization that they provide services to intellectually you know, or just developmentally disabled individuals, and under normal circumstances, they'd, they'd be meeting on a regular basis with these individuals on a one-to-one, -one, you know, one-to-one -one basis. For uh, for coaching sessions, check-in sessions, and 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 uh, um, you know regularly meeting to ensure that uh, programs and goals that were in place were being being met and any issues were um, were being caught and discussed. So obviously, uh, you know, under current situations, the the one-to-one -one FaceTime um, is is a little bit difficult right now, and and at the same time, this is how the organization. Uh, generates money from the state essentially for uh, for the services that they're providing. So oh, the challenge here was how do, how do we continue to stay connected with the individuals the organization serves, 
uh, you know, with, with in a cost-effective way without sacrificing quality um, and uh, and being able to provide similar levels of service that we could otherwise. So ultimately, you know, this was a, obviously a, a really a really good uh, case for video conferencing, but what we had to think through really here was from a from a security standpoint how do we ensure you know HIPAA compliance of the conversations that we're having with with individuals um, how do we ensure that the technology most importantly is um, easy for the individuals we're connecting with to use and uh, and and also for for our staff as well who are being now asked to, to do things with technology that they they may have never never really experienced before. So in this case, what we ultimately decided to do was uh, go the consumer video conferencing route, meaning, you know, using technologies like WhatsApp, FaceTime, Google Duo. Um, we decided to go this route instead of using, you know, technologies like we're, we're using today, you know, a go-to meeting or a Zoom call, because we wanted to meet the individuals really where, um, where they were comfortable already with technology that they were already used to, used to using and uh, under some of their relaxed HIPAA guidelines right now, some of this technology that would have otherwise not been allowed um, is, is currently allowed to provide some of the services that, that we're offering. So this has actually worked out really well for the organization. Um, we've been able to su provide support for individuals remotely um, because we went with an approach where we're using you know, consumer grade technology that individuals are already used to. We found that the the technical support level for this has been uh, fairly low, and um, the demand has been fantastic, well beyond what what the organization uh, initially expected for uh, for providing these services. And and um, you know what what that's created is actually a couple a couple of challenges that we've had to work through. Um, I think one of the ones that was mentioned in the panel that certainly is 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 relevant here is the digital divide. Um, we're finding that you know certainly uh, not everybody has a smartphone or a laptop or a tablet to uh, to video conference with. So you know right now we're in the midst of a campaign to collect uh, donated mobile devices um, to refurbish and send back out to individuals so they have a line of communication not only now but but into the future since this is something that likely uh, the service will be continuing going forward. Um, we've also found that we're reaching new audiences. Um, so this service is typically the face-to-face -face services. The majority of the individuals being served uh, were English speakers. Um, and uh, we found that with offering up some of the re remote capabilities, we're now connecting with uh, a number of individuals who uh, English isn't their first language. And we're having to account for that from a staffing standpoint. Of, of ramping up the the number of uh, dual dual language speakers that we have within the organization, um, but it's it's fantastic because we never never otherwise would have been able to to reach these individuals, and we're finding out that uh, you know technology was part of the part of the key to unlock these relationships. Um, so going forward, uh, we expect to offer these services up, uh, you know, going forward on a more frequent basis, obviously. As face-to-face -face interaction becomes, uh, you know, safer to do again, we certainly want to move back to that that type of uh, arrangement. But we see the technology component here um, certainly augmenting that and allowing us to reach more individuals more frequently. 
So really, really fantastic on that side. But um, again, there's the digital divide and it's certainly creating, you know, some, some concerns here that um, we're trying to figure out, you know, the best way to handle that going forward and, and are optimistic about uh, our ability to get more technology into our constituents' hands uh, so that everybody can take, a, take advantage of this going forward. Um, the, ne the next case study um, is more around donor relationships. You know, how do, how do you stay relevant and in front of donors when, uh, again, the face-to-face -face meetings are, are, are difficult right now and, uh, you know, not challenging. So uh, another, one of our environmental nonprofit clients, they typically have a large number of mid-level donors that, uh, you know, they meet with regularly to, to as part of their cultivation strategy. Um, and they certainly didn't want these relationships to erode or weaken um, as, uh, as, you know, folks became more socially distant. So uh, what we actually decided here was this is, you know, this, this mid-level donor group is really interested in um, how the organization is uh, impacting their community, the cause, the specific causes that they care about, and um, and what we ultimately did was decided that we would hold small group uh, webinars with uh, you know as many of these mid mid level donors as as we could with topics that were highly targeted and highly relevant to uh, to the issues that they care about. So we came up with several topics that range from everything from environmental legal issues to bird watching. Um, we also looked at uh, some topics that were more you know, specific to the geography that the donor, uh, the donor was located in. So what we did is, you know, to the point earlier point about data is we, we used our data warehouse and we looked across all our donor interactions for what topics people were clicking on on the website, who was opening what types of emails that had certain topics in it more frequently, who is taking what kind of advocacy actions uh, online or in person for us? What type of in-person events have these donors attended in the past and created pro even stronger profiles that we had than we had in the past to really identify if we were to hold these small webinars, uh, what, um, what topics would be really re relevant. So uh, we did that, we profiled uh, a large number of these donors and sent out very highly targeted uh, communications to invite them to these specific uh, small group uh, webinars. And we were able to keep uh, the level of interaction, the level of personal personalized personalization up to a degree that, you know, we've, we've actually been able through this to move several uh, mid-level donors into a, uh, into an actual pipeline for, for a major gift. So uh, because of the targeted ability that uh, we had with this and, you know, long-term, we're looking to continue to use this technology, but um, maybe use it more to target uh, fringe areas uh, you know, from a geography standpoint that ultimately were difficult to connect to in the past. Um, and then finally, uh, just talking through events quickly here, um, uh, we're working with a, a nonprofit that typically every year they hold a, a 2000 person in-person in week-long convention for their members. Uh, obviously, you know, that, that, that convention's happening in July. Uh, it can't happen in person this year. Uh, so we've moved forward with a virtual event where uh, we've decided to uh, eliminate registration fees for the event and open it up to all members. So we've gone from now a 2,000 person 
uh, in-person event to an 8,000 uh, member virtual event. Uh, this one's been a little bit tricky. Uh, we're having to, to work through this one fairly quickly and, uh, and figure out ways to both very quickly come up with technology solutions and, and use off-the-shelf technologies like Zoom meetings and Teams. But what we're trying to be very conscious about here is how do we also create some kind of glue and cohesity between these different video conference sessions to, to feel like someone's still at an event. So we're using a, a mobile app to really tie the whole thing together and make it feel like, um, you know, the organization's providing a, a, uh, a comprehensive and, and, you know, week-long type uh, event, although it's all virtually. And this is the one just kind of given the number of folks that are now attending this for the first time ever, ever because virtual, we're, we're really having to think through things like the fact that folks, uh, it was a large number of the audience that you know, are blind or deaf um, and uh, we're having to uh, adapt and provide assistive technology so that they have the same same level of experience that uh, anybody else would that's attending the event. So. I thought this would be just helpful to kind of summarize quickly uh, some of the things we're doing and, and hopefully some of this resonates with um, uh, uh, you know, your organizations as, as well. Um, and, and we're, uh, we're, we're, we're you know, coming up on time here, so I just, I just wanted to make sure that we did touch on this very quickly. Um, yeah, we're, we're seeing a, a huge trend, uh, a huge increase in cybersecurity threats, and I just want everybody to, you know, in, make sure that this is, continues to be top of mind. Uh, a lot of this is exploiting the fact that, you know, organizations are working remotely, whether where there was face-to-face -face interaction before to confirm things like a financial transaction. That's happening virtually now. Um, there's more devices outside the network than inside the network. Personal devices are being used to access work resources. Sometimes uh, those may have, uh, you know, uh, sensitive information about health, you know, either health information or personal information about either donors or, or constituents. Um, so, you know, we're, we're seeing a huge re rise here, and I just want to make sure everybody thinks about um, the fact that this this is a, this is out there and needs to be accounted for. Um, and on the next slide, really. I have a couple just key things in here specifically. I, if I can end on one thing, I would encourage every single organization to implement multi-factor authentication. So think, you know, you type your username and password in and you give either a code to enter or a confirmation in your cell phone that this was, you know, this was you that was trying to log in. This is absolutely the number one way to protect your organization against a lot of the threats that are emerging right now. Um, it's in a lot of cases, if you have an Office 365 or a G Suite, which I think probably most organizations at this point have, these things are free and included as part of it. The key is to ensure that it's consistently applied across all your applications with sensitive data. Um, but uh, yeah, there are a number of things here that, that you can also do as well. But if there's one takeaway on the slide, I, I would just really in encourage every single organization at this point to ensure uh, they have have multi-factor authentication in place.